We started off with the teaching of Jesus that there's two roads. There's a broad road, and where uh, it, that broad road, many people follow in this world, and even a lot of believers are on that broad road in some way. And uh, but what that road? Where does that road lead? Everybody, that road leads to where destruction. And uh, and Jesus said there's a narrow road. But the problem is only a few people are willing to take that step of faith and follow, follow that road. But that road is what leads to life. You know, and it's all about choices. Everything that we do is all about our choice that we have. Every morning you get up, you have a choice, right? Do I follow the broad road or do I follow the narrow road? Do you have a choice? Do I get out of bed and get ready and go to work or do I... Stay in bed. How many guys feel always feel like, especially tomorrow morning, Monday morning, feel like I'm gonna, I want to stay in bed, you know? But you make the the right choice, and you get your butt out of bed and get to work, amen, or get to school or whatever you do. And so, um, so the, these roads are choices uh, that we have, and uh, and the reason we want to make the right choice, we want to be on that narrow road that leads to life, because normal, that normal road is broke. Normal is overwhelmed. Normal is spiritually bankrupt. And uh, that it just doesn't work. And even as us as believers, you know, people who love God, there's times in our life that sometimes we jump on that normal road, don't we? And we allow the normal things of this world to get infiltrate us. And uh, sometimes it's just for a moment. And you, and you said, no, that's stupid. I'm being, how many's ever thought? I'm being stupid. How many's ever thought that before? Yeah, not me, but you too. And um, everybody say, yeah, I agree, Sean, you being stupid. But, but sometimes, <laughs> Bill, stop laughing. Um, is that sometimes that, that's what we do. We, we get on that road. But, um, but the road that leads to life is something that we have to step out in faith. And we have to believe God and honor him and trust him and be led by the Holy Spirit. So today I'm going to talk to you about our desires. Because there's our normal desires that aren't from the Lord, and there's weird or really God's normal. God gives you desires that are totally from Him. And there's some of these normal desires, these natural desires that sometimes seep in. You know, some of you here, you, you might have never given your, your life to the Lord, and, and you're, you're here, you don't know, why, why am I here in church on a Sunday morning? I could have been sleeping in, but you chose to come today. You chose to, for some reason, to be here. And God's laying out for you life. And He wants you to choose life. He wants you to take that step of faith and, and get on a normal road. Um, get on the, uh, not the normal road, but the, 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 the road that weird people get on. The road that is narrow. The road that He's provided life for you. But a lot of normal people, especially people who don't know the Lord... They have no defenses against these desires. They just act on what they feel like, right? How many guys before you were saved just did what felt good, right? I mean, you just did whatever came to mind and you just did it because you were wanted to please self. You wanted to please these desires in, in your life. And there's these natural desires that normal people, people don't know the Lord, don't, don't have an opportunity to defeat. And that's why it's so important that we help them find the right road. We help them find Jesus and they get on that narrow road so they can defeat the desires because these natural desires can lead us to destruction, can lead to death. 
But the thing about it, even the Christians who love the Lord, who, who, who want to go after God, even allow some of these natural desires to come in, and we choose that broad road. How many of you guys have ever did something and you regretted it? All have sinned, so all of us have done that before, right? But even we've made decisions that we've regret. I've done something, I've said something, and I've, I've later regretted it because it's so natural to give in sometimes to these normal desires. And normal people do it all the time. And, and even kingdom people, people who love the Lord, sometimes jump into that. So our whole thought for this series, if, if you want what normal people ha- have, do what normal people do. But if you want what uh, weird people have, what few people have, you're going to do what few people do. And so the reason really for this series is in, so it's really to prepare us as a church, as the body of Christ, to be able to combat some of these things because some of these things are so deceptive. These desires that we have can be deceptive and can lead us. And if they go unchecked and unmanaged, these natural desires, these normal desires that lead to destruction can seep into our lives and we choose them. And every day we start inching back towards that broad road where everybody is. And it's so deceptive because everybody's doing it, right? And we feel like, well, since everybody's doing it, it must be okay, which is totally, completely wrong, especially in our society today. So it's time to be different. It's time to be weird because normal it's normal to give in to those lower desires. And you see all throughout the Bible, you go to the very first first uh, book of the Bible in Genesis and you see you see Adam and Eve and God says you can have any uh, fruit from any of the tree of the garden but don't eat the fruit from this one tree and the serpent comes to Eve and says isn't it beautiful you can have all this if you eat that tree and what did she do she gave in to really a natural desires and that natural desires had consequence what was the consequence death sin entered in fast forward a bit you see Moses he he, uh, he gets upset and with an Egyptian, and, and so he goes and takes revenge and kills the Egyptian. He gave in to natural, his natural desires. King David goes out onto his porch where he should have been at war with his troops. He sees Bathsheba, and he says, I want some of that. And so he gave in to his natural desires, quite honestly. That's what normal people do. He hadn't gotten in trouble. So it might be you. You might, you might get angry and you explode. How many's ever done that? I know I have, and I've regretted it. I've exploded at my kids. And it might be you're hungry and you eat and eat and eat and eat. Sorry, I, I, I do that too. And um, it might be sexual desires. You fall towards that. Whatever it is, that's what normal people do because that's a that's a... That's a desire from this world. And the Bible talks very directly on this subject in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. You know, it really lists three different normal desires. The King James, the New King James says it like this. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those three desires, they're not from the Lord. Now, the NLT says it this way. It says, for the world offers only a craving for what? The ple- for ple- uh, physical pleasure. Or the lust of the flesh. So it means that I want to have fun. It feels good. Do it. I want to enjoy my life. And, the, and then it goes on and says the world offers a craving for what else? For anything that we, everything that we see. 
That's the lust of the eyes. I don't have one of those. I want one of those. I like what that I see there. I got to have it. I need these things to make me happy. And the third thing the, the Bible talks about calls what, what calls for pride in what? In our achievement or our possessions. And all of us, we have these natural desires and we want these things to make us feel good, to make us happy, to give us meaning. And we want to think that, we want people to think, man, I'm successful, so I have all this stuff. But the Bible says none of these things are from the Lord. In fact, this world, it says in verse 17, the world and its desires will pass away. But whoever does the will of God, what? Lives forever. That's the good news. But if we continue to fall to these natural desires, we're going to have what the world is going to have. It's going to be destruction. We see it all the time. Normal people give in to what they desire. They follow their own appetite. They follow what they, what they want, what they think of their, their, they, it looks good, what it seem, seems to be good. And they follow that appetite. And we, we can't do that. We have to change that. Because that's a trick of the enemy from the very beginning of time to lead us away from the things of God and lead us away from his purposes, his life. And so the first thing I want you to know about normal people, normal people, they want what they want, and they want it when? Now, not later. We live in an instant gratification generation. I want it now. I want it now. In fact, you see great examples of this in the story that Jesus told about a father and his two sons, the the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 and verse 12. And it says, the the, the prodigal says, I want my share of the estate. He didn't want it later. He didn't want it after his father died. He wanted it now before he died. And we see this all throughout time that, that there's normal people. They do what? They give in to their own natural desires. I want what I want, and I want it now. This is their lifestyle. Weird people who are going after the things of God, when they, when they do this, it hurts them. When we decide, even as, as lovers of God, we decide, well, we, we see something, we want it now, and we go after it, it can hurt us. And if we don't watch it, it can build up a lot of pain and destruction and suffering in our life. I don't know, it could be, a, a boy and a girl relationship, and they're snuggling and cuddling, and the Bible says, you know, don't go any further. Don't do any of that, and wait for marriage, but we want it now. We give in. It could be someone, you know, gluttony is, is a sin too, right? Amen? Come on. Amen? So you see that you see that chocolate chip ice cream in the freezer, and you know your mama already t- always told you to go get a bowl, but you don't get a bowl. You just get a spoon. <laughs> Come on. And you just eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it. And then you get done with that and you go looking for some more. It could be that you may be, may be mad at your boss. You get so angry and you, so you type a letter and you hit send. And you're going to regret that, aren't you? We give in. Normal people give in to their natural desires every day. Now, normal people, those, especially those who don't know the Lord, they have no defense against their desires. But when you give your life to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. 
to help you and to feed you. And a lot of times, us as believers, we don't really, really realize that we, we don't have to give in to those things. You know, people buy cars, they buy electronics, and they go into debt because they want it now and they don't save their money. A guy by the name of Andy Stanley, he's a pastor in Atlanta, he, he, he did a message, and I, I love what he said in this message, that most people in this world trade the ultimate for the immediate. Normal people will trade the ultimate for the immediate. The greatness of their future for the immediacy of the now. And even as lovers of God and people trying to be on that narrow road, sometimes we can do the same thing and we have to watch it. And I want to warn you, you've got to watch this. The Bible illustrates this very well in, in, the, in the story of the two brothers, Esau and Jacob. You can turn to Genesis chapter 25. Story is Esau is the older brother, and he was kind of a, a man's man. His father Jacob, um, I mean, his father Isaac loved him, and he was a man's man. Jacob was the younger brother; he was more of a mama's boy. Hung out with his mama a lot. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Amen, amen. But um, he was he was the younger brother, and back then, this is what would happen. When, um, when the father would die, the majority of the state, or at least a double portion of the state, would go to the older brother. He would get it all. I, my family, um, um, part of my family are, is from Europe, and they, they uh, are immigrants back in the early 1900s. They came over here, and they settled up in northern Nebraska. And, um, and uh, they're farmers. My, my great-grandfather owned thousands of acres of land that he farmed. Very successful farmer. Um, and he passed away in the early 70s. And uh, when he passed away, they still did this today. The oldest brother got everything. Everybody else didn't get that much. It went, uh, thousands of acres went to the oldest brother. That's the way it was in the Bible times. And so that's what was happening here, and this is what's, what's happening, that Esau was going to have the, be the executor of the state, of, of all, the estate of everything that Isaac had, and uh, Jacob was a little jealous. So one day Esau was out on you know, a hunting trip or something, he came home hungry, and he came uh, to, uh, to Jacob, he says, I want some of that stew you're, you're making, and Jacob uh, uh, went and tricked his brother and given his birthright. And we see in, in Genesis 25, verse 29, the Bible says that uh, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. And the older brother comes in, he says, I'm hungry. And he said to Jacob, quick, uh, let me have some of your red stew. I'm famished. And in verse 31, Jacob, the younger brother, he replies, first sell me your birthright. And Esau, the other brother, said, he says, look, I'm about what to die. Now, let's pause for a minute. He wasn't about to die. I mean, he, he probably had enough fat on him to, to last at least 30 more minutes for someone else to make him some stew, you know. But, I mean, I, I, I come home sometimes, and I haven't eaten all day because I worked through the day or something like that. And I come home, and I, I tell Lisa, I'm about to die. And she says, well, go make you something to eat. She doesn't believe me. So here I am looking 30 minutes into the, uh, into the refrigerator trying to find something to eat when there's a lot of stuff in there. But that's, 
That's a man's deal. Anyway, we need deliverance. Anyway, um, so Esau goes out and he says, I'm about to die. I'm starving. And, and, uh, and so Jacob says, sell me your birthright. And Esau, he says, what good is the birthright to me? I'm so hungry. I've got this need. I, I really desire that bowl of stew. What good is that birthright to me? And then Esau, the older brother, does something that we all would say was foolish, was stupid. How in the world can anybody be so stupid and short-sighted, so foolish, to sell their birthright for the immediate bowl of stew? And we do it all the time, don't we? We say that was foolish, and it was foolish. The answer is normal people, and even sometimes normal Christians. People who love God. They say they love God. They love, love, love Jesus. Can sell their birthright. Can sell everything for a single bowl of stew. I promise you, every single one of you, you know somebody who has basically derailed their life in some way with a desire that went unchecked, a desire that went unmanaged, and they did something stupid. What happened? They got locked in that moment and that desire, and they forgot about everything else around them that mattered. They forgot everything else that was around them, everything that was so important to them, everything that they had worked for, everything they had believed God for, and they settled for something immediate. That moment, that bowl of stew, whatever that bowl of stew represented, they wanted it. If it, could, it could be some, someone spending money for stuff over and over again because they want it, they desire it, they think they need this and that and that, and then all of a sudden they're in debt and going to be going into bankruptcy. It could be a man who really loves his wife, he loves his children, loves his God, but the moment he's looking at his computer and he's one click away from this lustful stuff, these lustful desires, and in that moment he forgets about everything else. And clicks and focus on that stew. He trades the ultimate for the immediate. Something as stupid as a bowl of stew. It happens all the time. Normal people do it all the time because people who don't know the Lord, they, they have no, no avenue to get out of it. But even people who know the Lord forget who they are in Christ Jesus. Because they want, they, they fall to these desires that are ungodly, that aren't of the Lord, and but they fall to them. I want to warn you that that's going to happen. You've got to realize what's happening. You know, sometimes men really love their families, and I'm not picking on men, but it's just they do, or, and sometimes women do this too, and, and they, they go out to work, and they try to be as successful, as successful as they can, and all of a sudden your kids are in their 20s, and you thought, where has time gone? trade the ultimate for an immediate. You traded relationships for accomplishment. That stupid bowl of stew. That stupid bowl of stew. And a lot of times we do it all the time. So I want to ask you something. I want you to really pray and be honest enough with yourself to be truthful about this and search your heart. What is your bowl of stew? What is it right now? That you're trading the ultimate for the immediate. What is your bowl of stew? 
What is your desire or desires that if you are letting unchecked and unmanaged and out of direction of the Holy Spirit, you're just doing it on your own and it's trying to short-circuit God's plan? What is your bowl of stew? It could be anything. What is, what is going on in your life that you're trading right now? Maybe you've done it and... See, and this is what happens, you know, from the enemy. The enemy comes in when you trade this, comes in and brings shame and depression. And it stops you. It stops you from moving on with the Lord. And sometimes even us as believers, lovers of God, and God, I, I want to serve you and you're worshiping God, but then you can go home. If you're not realizing what's happening, these desires are working up in you, and you don't realize that, that, and they're going unchecked, that you're trading what's ultimate in your life, the plan and the purposes of God, for something that's immediate. I love what 1 Peter chapter 2, turn there, verse 1. I love this chapter. Now listen, I want, I want you to know something. If you have done this, if you have traded the, your ultimate for a bowl of stew, stop. It's redeemable. Amen? It can be redeemed. Look at this. Look what Peter says. In verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, so get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so that you will grow into full ex- the full experience of salvation. How many guys want the full experience of salvation? Amen? Cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but He was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones. He's talking about you. That God is building into His spiritual temple. What more? You are His holy priest. That's who you are. Don't trade that that for a bowl of stew. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer uh, spiritual uh, sacrifices that pleases God. And Scripture says, as Scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in Him will never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust in Him recognize the honor God has given Him. But for those who reject Him, the stone that the builder rejected has now become the cornerstone. And He is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's Word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But I love this part. But you are not like that. Turn to your neighbor and says, you're not like that. See, you're not like that. You are not going to be a person who trades the ultimate for a bowl of stew. He says, but you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For He called you out of the darkness and into His wonderful light. 
Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had no mercy, received no mercy, but now you have God's mercy. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. Amen. You are not like that. You don't have to trade what's ultimate in your life, the things of God and what he is doing in your life. You don't have to trade the love of your family, the love of your wife, the love of your husband, the love of your kids for a stupid bowl of stew. Those desires lead you to destruction. His desires lead you to life. Weird people become different. That's why I want us to be weird. That's why I want us to be that royal priesthood, that that chosen generation. We are called out. Amen? We live for different values. We are, are people who live for the things of God, and we want to honor God with our life. We're not being weird for weird's sake. We want to please God, but we must remain consistent. That's why, man, you need to be, be a part of these groups that are coming up. That's why all of us need to be part of small groups, because we need everybody's help to be consistent, that when people can show, say, Sean, you're choosing a, a, a stupid bowl of stew. They need to slap me on the back of the head. Amen? We need that, don't we? I need somebody, don't please don't come up here right now, but I need somebody to slap me on the back of the head sometimes. Thank God for my wife. She does that quite a bit. I need it. She needs it for me. I'm not going to slap her on the back of the head, but I'm just going to say, hey, the way you're thinking, that's just, you know, you're thinking, your thoughts. Remember what Jesus did? He said, if you think it, you've done it. Your thoughts. You could choose, you know, you choose your thoughts. You know, the devil doesn't, he may help plan them, but you choose to think them. Right? You choose to think the thoughts about you. You choose to think the thoughts about others. Sometimes you choose a stupid stew to think about. Got to watch your thoughts. So here's something that's very important about weird people. Weird people are led by the Holy Spirit. They're led by Him. Weird people know that. And so when you're led by Him, the, the Holy Spirit may say, jump, don't go, do it, buy this. Right? Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, wait. I'm going to be honest with you, I don't like waiting. Patience is hard for me. Don't look at me like I'm the only one. I want it now. But weird people are led by the Holy Spirit, and so they know that sometimes later is often better than now. Proverbs 16.32 says this, It's better to be patient than powerful. It's better to have self-control than to conquer a city. In other words, God says, Hey, I really don't mind you having a bowl of stew. Just don't sell your birthright for it. 
be led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, all your desires, everything that you would ever want, God has. The Bible says, I shall not want. Why is that? Because he provides everything. He is my everything. Jesus is everything. Everybody say that. Jesus is everything. He, he is all you need. Remember that old song we said? He, Jesus is all we need. Amen? That's so true. And weird people are willing to wait until the Holy Spirit says, go. It's time. It's time. Because we're willing to give up something that we want now for something we want even more later. Because we're willing to wait on the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit says, go, we go. See, there's power in waiting on God. There's power in doing the things in God's timing and in His way. Instead of trading the immediate for the ultimate. Financially, what's normal? What's normal? It's broke. It's dead. Where people know it's later is often better. I t- tell people, I, especially young people, and they said, man, they get some money and they want to buy a brand new car. And it says, hey, how about paying that payment first and see how you like it? Just pay it into your savings account. I asked somebody, I said, give me some financial advice when I was younger. He says this. He said, he told me this. He says, buy assets, not liabilities. I said, what's an asset? Because the liability is this. Liability is when you buy a new car, a new car will become a liability. When you drive it off the lot and you get to that first stoplight, it's worth $6,000 less than when you bought it. It's like when you buy a new T-shirt. It's worth, you know, $30. Isn't that stupid? But anyway, $30 for a T-shirt. And now it's 60 cents after you wear it once. See, liabilities takes away from your life. Liabilities is something that decreases in value. An asset, when you buy an asset, is something that uh, increases in value. In fact, assets add value to your life. So what is sin? Is sin a liability or is it an asset? It's a liability because it decreased the value of your life. Right? When you sin, sin brings death. Death decreases life, right? Decreases the value of your life. So something that goes up in value is a liability, is an an asset. An asset is anything that's going to add value to your life. And God is all about adding value to your life. Weird people... What value added to their life? So they're willing to wait on the Holy Spirit and allow Him to direct them to what's an asset. You know what assets are? You. You add value to my life. Because you're a part of the family of God. Serving you adds value to my life, serving others as value to your life. But when we trade the ultimate for the immediate, it takes away our life. Weird people are led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit leads them to things, assets that add value. And even that bowl of stew that you really desire, 
can become an asset in the right timing and in the will of God, right? Right? Okay. So if you, in marriage, if you want to be married, right? The things that married people do in marriage, in the covenant marriage, becomes asset. Outside of marriage, it becomes a liability. Right? You understand that? So in the right timing and the right place, in the will of God, even the boa stew that seems a liability before, in the right timing, can become an asset. Amen? It's like your house. It can become a liability or it can become an asset. Your car can become a liability or can become an asset. It's all in the right time. Weird people follow, follow the Lord. The second thing about weird people is that they seek God until their desires, be, until His desires become their desires. That's what they do. Psalm 37, 4 says this. The Bible says that if you delight yourself in the Lord. I love that. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now that word delight, circle it. That word delight is a Hebrew word and it means to enjoy. It means to delight. It means to seek. I love that. It means to Delight, it means to enjoy, it means to seek. So the whole thought of this word delight is as you are enjoying, as you are delighting, as you are seeking God, as you are delighting in God, as you are enjoying the Lord, as you are seeking God, He is making your life soft and pliable. It's like you are a hard piece of clay, right? Not hard-headed, I didn't say that, but you're a hard piece of clay. And as you and I seek the Lord, as we delight in God and delight in who He is, not what we can get, not what is all around us, but delight in Him. And as we enjoy the Lord, as we seek Him, it's like the water of the Holy Spirit begins to be poured on you. And God is the potter. And He begins to mold you. He begins to shape you. He begins to uh, form you into exactly what He wants. And so when you delight in the Lord and seek Him and enjoy Him, as you are doing this, He is molding you and your desires are become, His desires are becoming your desires. And I love that. And I'm telling you, as you seek Him... Nothing is more beautiful than watching Him and letting Him mold you into who He wants you to be. And so these other natural desires, these stupid bowls of stew, become nothing to you anymore. And He becomes everything. And He gives you the desires. And you know what? You may have still have that desire for that 1968 Camaro that you couldn't afford before 10 years ago. But because you have been faithful, God allows it and He begins. He begins. You still have that desire and He leads you and He gives you even a better deal. And you pay for it by cash. Amen? And it becomes a good thing. That, that, that was, by, by the way, my prayer. But anyway... Um, See, you seek God. So I'm telling you, some of you, you're seeking nothing but your stupid bowl of stew. Throw it away. You are seeking things 
that aren't giving you life. You're seeking things that have become more of an idol in your life and not honoring God. Throw those things down and just seek Him. Seek God. Open up His Word. Become passionate about the Lord. Become passionate about everything that He is and He will give you the desires of your heart. Because you lay everything at the foot of the cross and say, God, I'm all yours. I'm all about you. And as you're enjoying God, nothing else matters but Him. And as you're enjoying Him, He is molding you, He's shaping you, He's preparing you, not for a stupid bowl of stew, but for your birthright, for your inheritance. Not just later in the great by and by, but here now. And you allow Him to do that because you're weird, you're different, you're not living for what everybody else is living for. I love what what Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And 17, Paul says here, he says, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Why? Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Amen? So let the Holy Spirit guide you. How do we do that? We seek Him and we say, God, I want everything that you desire. I want you. And, and you, as you're enjoying God, see, sometimes we just, we lose out on life because we are focusing on things we don't have. We're focusing on things everybody else has. And say, God, why am I missing out? You know what? As a believer, none of us miss out if we focus on Him. Because He's all we need. Do you truly believe that? He is all we need. Our sinful nature wants to do evil. He wants you. He wants to take you away from God. He wants to say that you are, you are, you you don't have enough. You need more. And he wants to build those evil desires up, and you just focus on those. But God has a different way, right? Different road that we need to choose. We don't need to be led by the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Instead, I want my life to glorify God. And once you begin to delight yourself in the Lord and worship Him, and He's all you need, it doesn't matter how bad your job is, because it doesn't matter because how good He is. You are focused more on the goodness of God than the terrible things that are out here. And that goodness, that glory covers you. And that's why nothing by any means can harm you. Amen? Because you're dwelling in that glory. And then you really realize that, man, you start desiring to be generous. You start desiring to forgive, to bless people, to go the extra mile, to worship God with all your heart. And to do all these things that normal people don't do. Because God is changing your desires. You become clay in the master's hands. Amen? And God can do something great in you. Amen. So weird people are led by the Holy Spirit. And weird people delight themselves in God and allow Him to form their desires. Amen. And they throw that stupid bowl of stew away 
and allow God to make them something even better. Amen? He loves that. We all need this, right? Shake your neighbor. Say, you need this too. We need this. Amen. Let's pray.